Welcome to another episode of Hammer Time, a property perspective. We set out to hand the microphone over to people in the property industry to get their perspective on how things are going in their respective areas of expertise. Buyers, we all know that they balance out the equation in real estate and they assist and form a very valuable part of the transaction for vendors and agents. But what have they been thinking during this COVID period and what are they saying about the months ahead? So we wanted to speak to someone who is a buyer themselves and is also representing numerous buyers' interests in the marketplace today. Known to many as having a voice and confidence at auction equal to the auctioneer themselves, we welcome Kate Bakos, an independent property buyer's advocate and owner of Kate Bakos Property. Kate, thank you for your time. We're often hidden as agents and auctioneers from what the buyers are thinking and what they are saying. So give us a bit of insight. What have they been saying to you? And what are they selling to you about buying real estate over the coming months? Yeah, interesting question. And it's such a buzz to be on the show. Thank you for that lovely intro. Um, what are buyers saying? Well, we've, we've got a few different camps of buyers. They're not all singing from the same songbook. I've had quite a few over the last two months, which might be a surprise to some listeners out there. But they've been prepared to make a play for a purchase because they've seen that the conditions have been pretty horrible. And for a select few, they actually did purchase during the thick of coronavirus and increasing case numbers, which was a a very bullish thing to do. But in hindsight, it's paid off for them because we calculated some kind of 10 to 12% discounting on, on prices at that time. But we've, we've got buyers that are out there looking now and they're obviously feeling a bit frustrated with stock shortage. That's probably our biggest issue at the moment. And we've also got buyers out there that are holding the view that market conditions could deteriorate and work in their favour later on in the year. And we're all yet to see what becomes of that because obviously we've got government subsidies and, and support relief packages to aid us all through coronavirus as businesses. But if we continue performing at, at the rate that we are, and if, if the JobKeeper subsidy actually does what it's meant to do and, and saves businesses, we could see some buyers in the months to come that are a bit remorseful that they waited it out because we've got low stock levels and, and very low interest rates and relatively higher uh, buyer demand, which could see a, a bit of pressure on prices and, and see some, some gains. And Yourself personally, if you're uh, looking to buy in, in the market, what are, what are you thinking yourself personally at this stage? Oh, I would have bought something eight weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a tough time and you know a lot of human behaviour hinges around uncertainty. People clamp down and wait it out. They adopt a bit of wait and see when they don't know what's going on. And obviously there was a lot of fear out there that we could have, you know, colossal market crashes and that kind of thing. But I don't subscribe to that theory myself. And I could see that there are a lot of other forces underpinning our property market. And we are pretty different to overseas. And then when it comes to how we're, we're navigating the coronavirus, it's too early to, to call it a successful mission. But Australia is certainly tracking really well for now. And what are you advising your clients? Are you telling them to pull the trigger like you did eight weeks ago? I'm chatting to people about being purchase ready and being absolutely certain about their finance. If anyone's got concerns about their their job certainty or their hours, now is not a great time to take the plunge because it would be horrendous to be caught short to purchase unconditionally 
and then have you know sustain a, a job loss or significant hours decrease because that could impact your ability to borrow and nobody wants to throw away a 10% deposit and and face legal action so i'm very very cautious with people right now when it comes to borrowing capacity and and being purchase ready but if they do have a secure job and and it's time to buy a home there is no time like the present because if they try and hedge their bets or or wait it out and see what happens it would be pretty disappointing for them to sit out the next three months and then realise that they've priced themselves out of an area that they could have purchased in right now. And when it is your home, while we'd like to think that uh, capital growth prospects are really attractive, if you're purchasing a home and it's for the longer term, you've got to be prepared to make that decision now and not be focusing on price movements because you'll crystallise a loss when you sell. But if the property market does dip down or pulls back a little bit in the following months, if they're writing this out for the long term, it's just a loss on paper for the short term until the property market picks itself back up again. But likewise, if the property market performs, then obviously they'll be pleased that they took the plunge and bought into an area that they can afford to buy in now. So how do you navigate that mindset Kate, uh, my mentor and someone you know very well, Mr. Phil DeFagley, has always said that part of his discussion and negotiation with buyers at auction was don't negotiate yourself out of a sale. I think for anyone in there who is buying long term, everyone would agree that we all wanted prices to come off in three to six months ago. They have. How do you navigate that mindset, which is that gambling mindset that things can drop further and I may be able to pick it up cheaper when actually it could go up again? Exactly. You've hit the nail on the head. It's a gambling mindset. I think the best thing that you can do as a buyer is think about the power of time. I remember years ago, I purchased a property and it was competitive. I had other buyers that wanted it and I had to stretch a bit more than I I was prepared to at first. I would have been very happy to to spend 280 or 290 on this property, but my absolute hard limit at the time was 300. Anyway, I bought it for 306 and wondered if I'd paid too much or done the wrong thing. Now, looking back, that was a four-bedroom house in Mount Eliza, so it would easily comfortably be worth a million dollars now. And I think buyers always have to think about the long-term strategy. It's a long game. And if you're looking at at tight price movements in a short space of time, you're looking at the wrong asset class. So have you got any uh, $280,000, $300,000 houses for sale in Mount Eliza that you can help some buyers with? (laughs) Exactly. The answer is no. You couldn't even get a good unit for that now. And that is the power of time. So in terms of if we look to the process now and strategy of buying, has the change to EOI private sale made it harder for you to you know, put buyers into real estate? No, it hasn't. It's a different way of doing real estate. There's something to be said for auctions because they're transparent. And buyers who are prepared to, to fight hard for something, will generally do so when they can see their competition and social proof is, is very strong in situations like that. The EOI can create a little bit of scepticism because buyers can't see their competition and, and don't know whether they're being sucked into some kind of vortex by the agent or whether they're being misled or whether sales tactics are being adopted and in an effort to get a higher price for the vendor. So that's probably the challenge of, of EOI. There is another challenge, and that is once a property is a private sale, agents can determine their rules for how they deal with competing buyers. So 
Well, when you're in an auction, you've got auction rules and there's auction conduct. Everyone knows how it goes. In the case of a private sale, the agent can determine how they'd like to round up the buyers and deal with the competition. It might be that they get them on a Zoom call where they can see each other, which is akin to modelling out a boardroom auction. They might give them one opportunity to come in with their best and highest offer or they might have a back-and-forth process where they just make lots of phone calls into the night until the last person is standing. But the agent holds the cards for that, they know how they will likely run that that competition. And sometimes with AOI, it can change. And that's probably where frustration comes into play because we might think it's best and highest and, and then an agent's on the on the phone saying, Can you can you go an extra five thousand dollars or I'll give you last opportunity to, to rethink your offer. And it, it can get a little bit murky for buyers who don't know what they're doing. In the main, the the advantage for buyers with EOI is that they can be subject to finance or they can introduce conditions. So we've had an eight, nine-week period now of buyers experiencing softer conditions when it comes to incorporating conditions in their offer. So would you say that um, a private sale EOI, whilst the argument on the other side, and having sat there myself, could be that it's in the best interest for the vendor and that's what the agents are getting paid to do, Do you feel, and even if you're talking as a buyer and on behalf of some clients you're representing now, would you steer them away from a private sale EOI in the market now versus a public auction? No, I'd never steer a buyer away from the right property. You never ever um, let yourself fall prey to that. I've seen buyers avoid auctions because they don't like the auctioneer or because they didn't like the agent or avoiding an auction just because they don't want to bid at auction. If the property is the right property for you, you, you have to get your head around the rules Keep the agents on side and play by their rules. If you're misunderstanding the rules or if it gets a bit hazy or if you need to clarify, you just pick up the phone and ask the question, can you please tell me exactly what's going on? I'm a bit confused. Because we can navigate anything when we have information on hand. And information, have you found that with more time and obviously less stock, are the listing agents out there, have they changed their behaviour and how they're providing more information or is it business as usual? I think the agents that I've dealt with through corona period have been nothing short of amazing. I've seen extended hours, their ability to to fit in all of these private inspections when we had limitations on numbers of people through houses, just their sheer willingness to do whatever it takes to get their vendor the best result they can. I've been really impressed. I certainly haven't seen you know an increase in willingness to help or an increase in in information on offer. Um, good agents will do that as a matter of course for their vendors and they work effectively with buyers. But what I have seen is just crazy hours and, you know, it's been a very difficult time for everyone in our industry and we have to remember that we're all basically paid by commission. So we've got agents out there that are packing in as many inspections as they can into their day, juggling vendor nerves around virus spread, juggling buyer concerns about being exposed to the virus I've had to tackle PPE and sanitising lotion and all the rest of it. I think, you know, we can all stand back and, and be pretty impressed with how we've handled ourselves because it's been really hard going and we've we've had to learn everything on the run. We've had changing legislation and, yeah, it's been a, a really difficult time but we've kind of stuck together and, and made it work. I agree with you and I think we've been uh, very resilient as an industry and there's a lot that we'll take out of this to make 
what we do and how to transact better. One of those key things that I know uh, all too well is having to use online um, because we couldn't do physical auctions up until not too long ago. So uh, have you participated in any online auctions and, and what's your view yeah. as uh, this is a tool going forward? Wow, good question. I've participated in many and different kinds of formats as well. And to be honest, it's been you know a poor cousin compared to the real deal for me for, for quite a few reasons. I've, my job is to read the buyers and read the play and bid strategically. And there's some people out there that think it's all about just having a limit, putting a hand up. But I've been doing this for long enough to know that there are some cases where you can throw people off their game or intimidate or create you know, a certain image and it might go your way. So I, I miss all of that. And you get a, a degree of transparency when you're participating in a, a Zoom auction, for example. But when you're doing one of those online auctions where you, you can't see a competition and it's just down to, to numbers, so it's a bit like an eBay auction, there's a lot of art there that's missing for someone like me. And I'm guessing it's exactly the same for the auctioneer. But more so, um, a public auction with neighbours and interested buyers who are still doing their research and support crew, there's something about it that is quite special. It, it's an art form for a lot of good auctioneers to entertain a crowd like that. And I, and I think also from the point of view of being able to show the community, how they perform, you know, host an auction and, and how they've honed their craft. In turn, it's a bit of a marketing effort for them as well. I mean, every auction that an auctioneer performs, they're on show and they're being critiqued. So we've had that missing for the last nine weeks and you don't get the same buzz out of a Zoom auction. Is there a place for online? Yeah, there potentially is. Um, and when you've got uh, maybe a, a high-profile person's house or a very private sale that you know people don't want neighbours all sticking nosing around. If you've got a, a sensitive situation where you, you would prefer to know who your buyers are and have them registered, then you could facilitate an online auction. And likewise, if you've got if you know that you've got a, a handful of valuable buyers who can't be physically there, it, for them it might be better than having a proxy bidder. But in my opinion, there aren't many justifications for switching from a public auction to an online one. So would you prefer if you had the option to have a proxy bidder there as opposed to actually bidding for it yourself online if that situation arose in the future? Oh, great question. Uh, I would need a proxy that was a skilled negotiator and, and auction bidder, so another BA that I rate highly to do a job like that in my absence. I certainly wouldn't, you know, get Uncle Bill or the neighbour to do the job. My job is to, to use all of the skill and experience that I've gleaned over the years and to bid strategically and I would only have someone else with that kind of skill and experience doing it in my absence. And for the potential buyers listening out there, how important is it now to, you know, one, employ the services of a Kate Bakos and, and two, if they're doing it their own, how important is building the relationship with the person selling the real estate, which is the selling agent? Yeah, it's vital. There are lots of reasons why you don't want to make enemies with the agent, but there are loads more reasons why having them on site is really helpful. And, you know, people go through open for inspections and might be dismissive of the agent just because the house isn't suitable to them. But if they can explain to the agent what they're actually looking for and what they're trying to work with budget-wise, give them a bit of a hint and some parameters. The amount of help that you can get from an agent who likes you and takes to you is enormous. And for example, I went out 
inspecting property for a new brief on the weekend and I went down to the coast, which I'm not a regular buyer down there, I must say, and it was great to meet some really friendly agents and to have a chat with them about the brief. And just coming into the office today, I've already had some phone calls and emails with suggestions of off-markets and others to consider and forthcomings. It's been amazing and that's just one example of keeping your relationship with the agent a friendly one and a respectful one. And personally, Kate, with the business moving forward, um, have you learnt anything? Have you had to change the way you operate your buyer advocacy business out of this time? And you know, are you incorporating any new technologies yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, coronavirus has been horrendous for everyone and in particular for small business owners. But I'd be lying if I said there weren't some amazing positives that have come out of this. I've facilitated all of my prospective client and active client meetings on Zoom and it's been pretty effective, especially if you've already met someone, you've already had that face-to-face. You can just pick up where you left off and you know, see them on the screen and have a good chat. And I've also had to adopt technology to, to help with things like contract signing. We're, we've adopted DocuSign and liaising with solicitors who have all of the platforms online right now. And obviously, we've, we've got Google Docs and we've been rolling with those for quite a while, but having my team working from home, we've got five of us usually in the office, we've all been able to get into a synchronised platform and work reasonably effectively from home in the face of something that, you know, we'd usually always be in an open plan environment asking each other questions throughout the day. So I've learnt a lot about really good time management and also facilitating meetings that are almost as good as a real deal, um, particularly for clients who might have been able to jump in the car and drive across town to meet me, but they can log on and, and save all of that time. And it, it certainly has saved me going and meeting people at cafes and that sort of thing as well. And the outlook for the back half of the year, I've got my view, but I'm very keen to hear yours. Yeah, I, I think the the elephant in the room and the question that we'd all love answers for is, is how will our market be impacted when the subsidies wear off, when JobKeeper runs dry and, and when businesses really have to decide whether they're able to limp along and recover or whether they've navigated the storm well and they're feeling rock solid or if they, they can't make it work and, and they fold. And that, that's a horrible thought. But we'd be naive to think that there'll be businesses that won't be completely impacted for the worst by this. So if we do have businesses that fail and jobs that are lost, how many distressed sales will that lead to? And the real question is, will there be more sales than buyers? Because if we've got more properties for sale than we've got buyers floating about, we can anticipate some price drops. But we do have to think about the employment numbers because we've all been looking at the unemployment headline, but we've got to look at the employment headline and all of the people that We'll be mustering up the courage and saying, right, Corona is now looking like it's reasonably behind us. It's time to purchase. We've got super low interest rates and we've got very uh, low building starts. So the data is showing that we won't be having a lot of construction in the near future. That means that we could have a stock shortage that bites us for a bit longer than we're seeing right now. And if the stock levels continue to stay as subdued as they are, we can expect that that buyer demand could hold prices up and we might even see some positive price movement. I think that the critical question is how quickly can we get back on our feet and operate as business as usual and and it looks like it's heading in a a reasonably attractive path at the moment knowing that our state ministers are letting us out for enjoying restaurants and cafes and that kind of thing in the coming weeks. So it's all looking positive. 
Kate, we really appreciate your time and as always your insights into what is happening out there through the lens of buyers. In true auctioneer form, we'll close this session off with three calls. Our first call from today is that uh, as businesses, we're learning more efficient ways to do business using and harnessing technologies that are out there. Uh, Our second call, online is the poor cousin to on street, but it does have its place and auctions are transparent. It's still a viable way to sell real estate. Our third and final call, there's no time like the present. If you're out there, you're ready to buy, don't negotiate yourself out of a deal because you might find yourself paying a little bit more than what you hoped right now in just a matter of months. Kate Bakos, thank you for joining us. And we to all our listeners, thank you for joining us on another show, Hammer Time, A Property Perspective. Feel free to subscribe to our Spotify and iTunes pages. Thank you for listening and we look forward to talking to you again soon.